the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. We're involved in a series of messages. Actually, we're going to conclude that series today entitled Supernatural, How God Helps People. I want to direct our attention today to a very important miracle that God does in people's lives. It's the miracle of healing and the miracle of making us holy. It's an amazing thing that works together. The healing of God creates the holiness of God in our lives. We're looking at the prophet Elisha and some of the ministry he did and the miracles were performed through Elisha multiple times during his ministry. I want to take you today to 2 Kings chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 19 in just a moment as we set set the story, set the stage for a man by the name of Naaman and an encounter he has with Elisha and a healing that happens in his life. Let me read for you again a number of verses, but listen as I read 2 Kings chapter 5, beginning in verse number 1. Now, Naaman was a commander of the army of the king of Aram, that's the the king of Syria. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded, because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram or to Syria. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now, bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who's in Samaria, that's in Israel, he would cure him of leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you, so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes or his robes, I should say, and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me? When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, that's the Jordan River, and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My my father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. 
Then Naaman and all of his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel, so please accept a gift from your servant. The prophet answered, As surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. And even though Naaman urged him, he refused. If you will not, said Naaman, please let me, your servant, be given as much earth as a pair of mules can carry, for your servant will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifices to any other God but the Lord. But may the Lord forgive your servant for this one thing. When my master enters the temple of Rimon to bow down, and he's leaning on my arm, and I have to bow, bow there also, when I bow down in the temple of Rimon, may the Lord forgive your servant for this. Go in peace, Elisha said. So these next few moments, I want to share with you five important lessons about how you and I can experience God's healing grace as Naaman did in his life and how it can transform us in terms of holiness in our lives. And the four, five things I want to share with you, first of all, starts with something very simple, but nevertheless very important for us to all understand. It's something that you and I need to grasp. And that's the basic fact that everybody needs healing. Here's the story of a man by the name of Naaman who needed healing in his life. He was a man who was a, a great warrior. He was a man, in fact, who was highly regarded by everyone around him. He was a man who had experienced some great victories. He was a valiant soldier, but he had a problem, and the problem was leprosy. Nothing could cure him from this leprosy. There's absolutely no way that he was going to find a pathway out of this because leprosy was a degenerative disease. It was something that was going to now get worse and worse over time. It was a, an incurable disease. No one could cure it. It was a disease that isolated you from others. In fact, there were leprous colonies where people would go when they had leprosy and they were, they were separated from other people who were healthy. So they had to live among the sick and those who were just like them facing the, the doom of leprosy. And also in the Bible, it's very important to realize that leprosy is a symbol of something that you and I need to think about in our lives. It is a symbol of sin. So when you see the concept or the idea or the disease of leprosy in the Bible, the spiritual symbolism of that word or that disease is a symbolism of sin. And the Bible teaches us that we all have a reality in our lives that we must accept. We all are in need of healing in our lives. We are people who've been marred by, affected by, influenced by, controlled by something called sin. That is disobedience to God and disobedience to his word, disobedience to his will and his ways. And because we have sin in our lives, collectively we have sin in our culture, and it creates tremendous problems and, if you will, spiritual disease to us and to the world around us. The Bible is very clear that everyone is in need of a savior. Everyone is in need of a healer from this disease called spiritual leprosy or sin. Romans 3, 23, listen to what it says. For all, notice that word all, not just a few, not selected people, but all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 5, 12, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, it's talking about the sin of Adam and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people. Notice this, because all sin. There again, you see that word all twice in Romans 5, 12. It includes everybody. Isaiah 53, verse 6 is speaking of Messiah when he comes to uh, do his work of redemption. And it's really pointing to the work and ministry of Jesus on the cross of Calvary and in his resurrection. Isaiah 53, 6, a messianic prophecy. We all, there's a word again. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us, that's 
every one of us has turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him, that's Jesus, the iniquity of us all. In each one of these passages, what I want you to see is that one little word, all, all, all. All of us are in need of healing. There's not a single soul who doesn't need the healing grace, the healing salvation, the deliverance in our lives from God, from the problem called sin. It affects everybody and sin is degenerative. It continues to eat away at our lives. It is humanly incurable. There's no way that you and I can cure it. We need a cure from heaven. It is a disease that isolates us and separates us from God and one another. It's the cause of all kinds of problems in humanity, interactions with one another, and it is very, very serious. Rich or poor, high or low, everybody is affected with this leprosy, this spiritual leprosy, this problem called sin, all of us. Here's the second thing that I want you to note today from this story. There is a healer. It's great to know that there is a healer. Naaman's leprosy had given him a death sentence and there was no human cure for him. However, this wasn't the end of the story because something very wonderful had happened in Naaman's family. Through one of the military uh, raids, invasions that Syria had had against Israel, they had captured a little uh, Israelite servant girl who had come to the house of Naaman and now was the, the servant of Naaman's wife. And this little Israelite girl recognized that this man, Naaman, as highly placed as he was, had no human cure for his illness, but there was a real and living God in Israel. And she did not fail to share that good news with Naaman's wife, who then shared it with Naaman. See, she was a messenger of good news. She shared the good news that there is a healer available. It's not here in Syria. It's not in your idolatrous culture, but it will. It, there is a living God who loves you and cares about you and can heal you of your condition. All you need to do is get to Israel and find the man of God who can point you to the one who is the healer. And in fact, that's exactly what happens. She, she, she directs him to this through Naaman's wife, and he goes to his king and gets permission to go to Israel. And there she, then, she, then he heads to, into Israel and finds Elisha. And we'll talk more about that in just a moment. But what I want to share with you today is just like there's this problem of sin and this need for healing and need for a savior, and need for a deliverer in our lives, there's the also, there, there is also the promise of God that he has given to us that he is our savior. He will be our healer. Let me take you to a few passages that really underscore the promise of God to heal us from our conditions of sin and disease. Listen to what he says in Exodus chapter 15, verse 26. He said, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians. Notice the statement, for I am the Lord who heals you. There's a compound Hebrew name for God there. I am Jehovah Rapha. I am Jehovah, the God who heals you. Listen to Psalm 103, the first three verses. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, David says. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Notice the benefit that he describes here, who forgives all your sins. And notice what the next phrase is, and heals all your diseases. There is a healer for our sinful condition. There's a healer for our diseases of soul, spirit, soul, and body. 
Psalm 147, verse 3, he heals the brokenhearted. God heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. There again, you see the promise of God being your healing. We all have this sickness. Everyone needs to be healed, but there is this healer. Jesus is the one who came to be Jehovah Rapha for us. Isaiah 53, 5 points us to this fact. Again, this is a messianic prophecy pointing to the coming of Jesus and his work for us on the cross of Calvary and in his resurrection. It says that he was pierced. Jesus was pierced for our transgressions. He, Jesus, was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, that is, on Jesus, and by his wounds. That's the wounds of Jesus. We are, what does it say there? We are healed, the promise of a healer. Matthew 4, 23, describing the ministry of Jesus. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. That's the kingdom of God. And notice this, healing, how many diseases? Every disease and sickness among the people. You see this healing ministry of Jesus. Acts 10, 38, and you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and, notice the word again, healing all who are oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. I want to remind all of us today that even though we have a problem called sin and a variety of diseases that come, spirit, soul, and body, by reason of this this problem, this disease of sin in our lives, there's no case that Jesus is not willing to take over as the healer. He he is the perfect diagnostician. He knows exactly where we need the healing in our lives. He is the perfect healer. That is, when he heals, he heals perfectly. He not only heals us, but he makes us healthy and he makes us whole. And whatever is not completed in the healing process here on earth, he completes it in heaven because the Bible says in heaven there is no sickness, no sorrow, no tears, no pain. Yes, everyone needs healing, but the good news is there is a healing for everyone. There's a healer, I should say, for everyone. There's a healer for you. Everybody needs healing, and there's a healer for you today. Number three, very important statement. We'll see it in the story of Naaman in just a moment, but here's what I want you to get from this story. We are the biggest obstacle to our own healing. See, the problem when it comes to our healing is not with God. The problem is really with us. I'm not going to read this to you. You can read it on your own in 2 Kings chapter 5, beginning in verse verse 4 down through verse number 12. Let me tell you what happens here. Naaman eventually makes his way to Israel, and and he goes to the king of Israel first, and the king eventually directs him to Elisha's house. And so Naaman, with all of his entourage, arrives at, at Elisha's home. And Elisha realizes that Naaman is there, this great commander from Syria. And Elisha sent out his servant to greet Naaman with a message. And the message was, I want you to go to the Jordan River and dip yourself seven times there. And when you dip yourself seven times on the seventh time, you will be healed. Now, you would think that that Naaman would have rejoiced in getting that news, but instead he actually reacted negatively to it. He was mad, first of all, that that, uh, Elisha didn't come out and talk to him. He was expecting the, the chief prophet to come out and have a conversation with him. And in fact, Elisha sent his servant. And in addition, he was concerned by the fact that now Elisha had told him to dip himself in the in the Jordan River, and the Jordan River was not anything compared to some of the rivers he was familiar with in Syria. And so he was he was really offended by the fact that he had to go to this Jordan River in Israel and dip himself. And so here's this man who is who has a lot of wrong expectations of what Elisha was supposed to do. He's filled with pride and he's filled with anger. He's filled with really basic immaturity and stubbornness. He is resisting 
bringing the very thing that God promised him that would bring healing into his life. What you see here is Naaman is about to miss his miracle because of the issues in his own life. He was his own biggest problem, his own biggest enemy. The same is true for you and me. Many times we never receive and experience the fullness of what God wants to do in our lives because of similar situations. We have wrong expectations of God. We have expectations that are that are contrary to God's ways of working. We have pride and anger and immaturity in our lives that keeps us from turning to God. We have stubbornness. We want to do things our own way instead of God's way. And because of that, we get in the way of our own healing. Can I encourage you today to make some decisions that you're not going to get in the way of how God wants to work in your life? And that brings me to my fourth point. As we address our personal issues with God, God then releases healing grace to us. Let me say that again, that when you and I begin to address our personal issues with God, God then releases healing grace to us. This is what happens in the story. You can read further here in the story. and You'll find out what occurs. The servants of Naaman gather around him, and now he's, he's mad, he's fuming about the fact that Elisha has told him to go dip in the Jordan River seven times, and he doesn't like any of this instruction. He's mad because Elisha didn't come out to talk to him. And finally, the servants, his servants gather around him, and they, they say to him, look, if, if he'd told you to do something, some great thing, you would have done it. Why, why not just do what he asked you to do? Get your pride out of the way, and get your anger out of the way, and Get your stubbornness out of the way and get your wrong expectations out of the way and just move those things out of the way. Naaman, you're your own biggest enemy. Move those things out of the way and just simply do what you've been asked to do. And this is what needs to happen in our lives. And in fact, he did that. And when he did that, there was healing that came to him. And we'll describe that healing more in just a moment. But for Naaman to experience that healing, he had to adjust his attitudes. His attitude toward God had to change. He had to humble himself before God. He had to begin to be teachable to those that were around him, trying to help him learn how to, how to respond to God. There had to be a, just a simple obedience to go and do exactly what, what, what the prophet Elisha told him to do. Just go simply do what he told you to do. And then he had to continue obeying. See, he didn't get healed on the first dip in the Jordan. It took six dips. Dip number one, nothing. Two, nothing. Three, nothing. Four, nothing. Five, nothing. Six, nothing. It was on the seventh dip that he comes up and his flesh is restored like a young child's again. He received his healing when he adjusted his attitudes, when he humbled his heart, when he became a teachable person, when he simply obeyed what God asked him to do, and when he continued in obedience. The same is true for you and me, that for us to experience all the healing that God wants us to experience in our lives, we have to adjust our attitudes. Sometimes our attitudes are in the way of what God wants to do for us. We have to humble our hearts. See, pride gets in the way of any and everything God wants to do in your life. We have to be teachable, willing to receive instruction from our master and savior. We become his disciple and we allow him to be our teacher and teach us how to walk in the right ways and respond the right ways to him. And then we simply obey whatever he asks us to do, and we continue in that pathway of obedience. When that happens, miracles happen in our lives. Listen to James chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble, notice that, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. 
See, when you and I address our personal issues with God, God releases his healing grace into our lives. Let's take a look at our last point together. God's healing grace, God's healing work in us always has the purpose of making us into something. He makes us holy by his healing work. As God heals you, out of that healing comes holiness in your life. Let me see if I can define the word holy for you just for a moment. Holiness is becoming more like God, loving what he loves and and hating what he hates and and drawing close to him, having a passion for him, and being a person that is separated from the world around us, we begin to reflect the values of God and the nature and character of God in our lives. And this is exactly what happened to Naaman. As soon as he was healed, he goes back to Elisha and says to Elisha, you know what, I've learned something. There is no other God in all the world except the God that is in Israel. I've met the one true and living God. So there in that moment, he experiences this personal relationship with God that he'd never known before. Out of this healing comes this relationship with the one true God. And Naaman was not only healed physically, but he was healed spiritually. His heart was changed. He would never be the same man again. Something changed, yes, on the outside with his leprosy, but more important, something changed on the inside with his heart. And he became a dedicated, true worshiper of God. In fact, he says to Elisha, Elisha, can I get some soil, some dirt from your area in Israel here, enough for two two mules to pull back to Syria with me. And I'm going to use that soil and create an altar there. And I will worship from now on the one true almighty God. My days of idolatry are over with. There in that moment, there was a transformation that occurred in Naaman's life that not only healed him outwardly, but changed him inwardly. So he becomes a holy man instead of a man of idolatry. And then he's able to experience a peace that he'd never known before because the last words that Elisha spoke to him was, go in peace. See, when God heals you in your life, he's not just fixing a problem, he's changing your nature. When God heals you, he's healing you for the purpose of making you a part of his family and bringing you into the family characteristics. What God needs in our world today is he needs people who express and demonstrate godliness. That as we are healed, that out of our healing comes a wholeness to our lives and a holiness to our lives that is now reflected in the world around us and in the relationships of our life. What have we learned from Naaman today? We've been reminded that everybody needs healing. I do, you do, we all do. We come into this world with a problem called sin, and it causes all kind of diseases to us, spirit, soul, and body. The truth is there is a healer, and that healer is Jesus the Messiah, the only true and, and living Savior and Redeemer. And, and, and we have to realize that, that oftentimes we're the biggest obstacle to our own healing. We, we get all these attitudes and this resistance to God and stubbornness in our lives and anger and all these things that get in the way of what God wants to do in us. And we become our own worst enemy. God wants to work in us, but we're, we're in the way. But when you and I begin to address our personal issues and come to God and come to that place of just humbling ourselves before him and becoming teachable and responsive and obedient to him and continuing to walk in that pathway of obedience, then the healing grace begins to flow. And out of that healing, that healing grace comes holiness in our lives so that we begin to be a representative of Jesus Christ and the world around us. We become a healing force. Healed people help healed people. You can't help heal someone until you are healed. And in the process of your healing, you become a healer, a holy healer to the people around you. Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. 
The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life, to turn over all your life to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now, and it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words, Jesus, I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing.